Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. You can even get a copy of Steve Hayes' book, Cheney, the Untold Story of America's Most Powerful and Controversial Vice President. Speaking of which, today we have with us senior writer at the Weekly Standard, Stephen Hayes. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Are you still ex- enjoying Randomania? Are you still in <laughs> Filibuster Palooza? Filibuster Palooza. Look, that is the most excitement that Washington has seen in, in quite a while, um, especially on a snow day when there wasn't anything else going on. So, <laughs> yeah, I had C-SPAN on. I sat there and dorked out like a lot of people That here. is kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it's what I do. It's <laughs> <laughs> my life. <laughs> so, uh, two things. One is, what is the uh, short-term impact of the filibuster on the issues that Senator Paul was talking about, like the drone program? And then, is this going to have any long-term impact on the state of play for the two parties? I think it has virtually no effect at all on on John Brennan's nomination, which was the ostensible reason for it. I mean, even Rand Paul, in the middle of his filibuster, said we'll look back on this and it will have been a blip in the nomination process. And I think, unfortunately, he is going to be confirmed and, and uh, you know, he was voted out of committee 12 to 3. Not much Republican uh, enthusiasm for fighting John right. Brennan's nomination, which I think is uh, is too bad. Um, in terms of drones, I think he, he had some effect here. I mean, I think at the very least he's forced a national conversation on this. He's, he's made people who otherwise weren't paying attention to what was happening uh, he's caused them to pay attention and, you know, given the issue some sort of higher profile and, and I think started a debate. Now, I don't, you know, I think he's, I'm not, I'm not concerned. I don't go to bed at night waking up worried that somebody's <laughs> going to be vaporized sitting at a Starbucks in Houston, Texas. Right. And I think he used that hypothetical and others have used that hypothetical it, knowing that it was sort of far-fetched. But, you know, the, the debate over the principle I think is a good one to have. Uh, let me ask you about the fact that Senator John McCain and Senator Lindsey Graham have gone out of their way to publicly either mock or ridicule or discount uh, the uh, filibuster last night. I'm a longtime John McCain hater. Uh, Stephen Hayes going way, way back. And uh, today I, I've never, ever regretted not liking this guy ever for one minute, and I don't regret it today. Well, Look, I mean, I, I didn't see what uh, what McCain said. I, I did see what Lindsey Graham said this morning. And, you know, I, I think there is some confusion to, about the laws of war and basically uh, what the administration has done with respect to law enforcement. It's created some confusion. I think Rand Paul very successfully and smartly for his own reasons uh, – exploited that confusion and, and made a big argument where, again, I don't wake up in the morning and, and worry about sure. this. Um, so I don't necessarily, uh, you know, just assuming what McCain and, and Graham might have have said. I, well, here, let me sure. share the John McCain quote sure. with you. The country needs more senators who care about liberty, but if Mr. Paul wants to be taken seriously, he needs to do more than pull political stunts that fire up impressionable libertarian kids in their college dorms. That that's, was McCain? That, that was McCain. That's exactly what the Wall Street Journal editorial said today, too. Really? Um, yeah. Anyway, Firing up impressionable libertarian kids in the dorm rooms? Yeah, that is, that is what the Wall Street Journal editorial said this morning. So, 
Uh, maybe he was talking to the journal. Look, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been that. I wouldn't be that critical of Rand Paul. I mean, I think he raises an issue. He clearly believes this. I mean, this is these are issues that he campaigned on. I believe him when he says that he would have raised them under George W. Bush uh, as president. And and I look, I think Washington needs more people who believe in things as strongly as Rand Paul believes in in these issues. Now, I wouldn't agree with him on on all of these. I'm sure if we had a long discussion and Rand Paul and I sat down for beers, we would probably disagree on a lot with respect to the strength of uh, of the executive uh, of the executive and, mm-hmm. and the kind of power that the executive has particularly in the context of a war which is really what we're talking about but at the same time you know wouldn't shouldn't the the president of the United States or shouldn't the Obama administration be able to answer Rand Paul's very simple question can you kill a non-combatant on US soil uh, without any due process I mean I think that's a legitimate question to raise I don't think that's that's uh, silly uh, but you know, when you're talking about the, also the, the the White House position that your Fifth Amendment rights can appear and disappear behind a closed wall, that's that's something that everybody can understand why that would be a problem. Then there's also the impact, Steve, of I can't tell you the number of people I got emails from and the number of people who joined the Twitter feed last night going, go, Rand, go. Finally, someone's right. showing that you can stand up to this White House, this utterly non-transparent White House that you have to drag you know, with a pair of pliers just to get basic information out of. They can stand up to them, look reasonable, and as far as the uh, conversation goes, win. Well, I think this, what you just said, more than anything, explains the interest in what Rand Paul did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that, that you had, uh, you know, quiet, huge majority of conservatives around the country who have been who've been concerned for months or even years about the possibility of a U.S. citizen being droned on U.S. soil. That's not really the, the what, what's at play here. I think what is, is that conservatives are so eager for somebody to stand up to the administration in an obvious way and really challenge them. And I think the opportunities for, for conservatives to do that have been somewhat limited, of course, by the fact the president's coming off a successful re-election campaign. They just don't have many levers, the set of issues early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly were not in, in their favor, but Rand Paul took advantage of this moment and made it a big deal. And I think that's, uh, to, to his credit, he, he was very smart about it. I think it will uh, serve him well in the future. I mean, there's no question that he got people to rally around him and rally around the arguments he was making who weren't the obvious people necessarily to be excited about Rand Paul. So where is the state of play in Washington right now? Uh, are the Is the White House still holding most of the cards and John Boehner's playing with the, the handful he's got and just trying to stay in the game? Or have the Republicans turned things around due to the ineptitude of the president, his ridiculous overselling of the of the sequester? I mean, I, I thought um, our uh, friend Jim Garrity picked up on something at, in, in this morning at National Review where he talked about how the White House had to shut down for the sequester, for you know, their tours, et cetera. But Congresses are wide open because Congress right. planned ahead. They, they actually know how to handle maybe cutting a few bucks here and there. Well, I, I think the big answer to your question is that the White House is always in control because it's the White House. Mm-hmm. But certainly we've seen, um, I think, not not because of any great strategy on the part of congressional Republicans. We've seen Republicans sort of stumble into a victory here because the White House so badly oversold you know, the, the consequences of the sequester, right. um, which I think even the Washington press corps could understand, you know, this is probably not going to be catastrophic if we cut 
two and a half percent, you know, off of our domestic discretionary budget. I think the White House erred on that. I think we're also going into a series of debates that actually set up pretty well for Republicans because you're going to have now three budgets that are going to be presented to the public. The House Republican budget probably. Uh, as early as next week, you've got the president's budget late in March, in all likelihood, and you've got a budget that Senate Democrats will finally offer after nearly four years. Well, Republicans are are dealing with these big issues. They're dealing with the drivers of our debt. They're serious about them. You can disagree with with what they want to do, but they they're actually taking on these big issues. The president and Senate Democrats haven't done that, and I think just the fact that we're going to be having that debate is is uh, helpful for Republicans. You know the. Uh... The constant complaint or worry I hear from conservatives, Steve, is that uh, it doesn't matter how good their ideas are. It doesn't matter how badly President Obama performs. It doesn't matter how bad the math is, how big the debt is. The facts just don't matter anymore because the fate of America is in the hand of low-information voters who will vote for whoever Jimmy uh, Kimmel tells them is cool. Yeah, I, I, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people making that argument. I guess you know we, we probably wouldn't be in the business – that we're in if we didn't think it was possible to persuade people to ultimately do the things that were right. I'm just in my business to meet hot chicks. I can't speak for you, Steve Hayes, but that's the only reason I'm in it. And here you are talking to me. (laughs) Oh, Alex, very good point. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I ultimately believe that that if if you have the facts on your side, if you have the truth on your side, uh, you can win arguments and you can persuade people. Um, And I'd say we've got 230-some-odd years of history that suggests that that's that that's right for all of the you know the problems that we've had in this country. I think the American people at at the end of the day uh, will choose wisely. That doesn't mean I agree with all the decisions, but I think there's a real there's a real possibility here because the president so badly demonstrated his bad faith on issues of spending and size of government in this last exchange on the sequester, and it was obvious to even reporters in Washington. I think you go and and, and look at the president's. Um, the abdication of of his responsibilities on uh, on debt and deficit right. entitlement issues uh, that that's a good debate for Republicans to have. My takeaway, Steve, time. is what a cheap date the Republicans are. Uh, Obama buys them one dinner, and they're already you know ready to hop in the sack. I just can't believe they're going to trust this guy for one second. I don't think they are. I, you know what? I, 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 you and I don't agree. You and I don't disagree very often. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what's at play here. I think okay. that they went to to dinner because it was worth having a conversation with the president. I think that they would be much, much wiser to have these conversations in public to make the president say what he wants to do on debt and deficits Mm -hmm. in public so that he can't claim to be wanting reforms that we know he doesn't actually want. Um, But I think there remains deep, deep skepticism, including among many of the people who were at the dinner last night. Uh, I've spoken to a couple of them. I don't think anybody's buying what he's selling, and, and and I don't think they will until they see an actual uh, proposal from the president that deals with the big stuff. And unless and until the president does that, I don't think there's going to be any deal, and I don't think Republicans are going to fall for it again. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. You can even get a copy of Steve's book, Cheney, The Untold Story of America's Most Powerful and Controversial Vice President. I'm your host, Michael Graham.